I will be in Austin, Texas, April 5th through 7th with my buddy Chris Ryan doing some podcasts. Uh, we will probably do an event on April 5th to talk about the Motherfucker Awards. Stay tuned if you're in the Austin area. Would love to meet up in person. I will also be in Rhode Island giving a speech at the University of Rhode Island on Plastics in Our Ocean on April 10th. April 10th, go to the University of Rhode Island and would love to meet you in person if you're in that area. This episode of the podcast was made possible by Mudwater. Mudwater is a chai mushroom blend that I drink most mornings. One of my close friends is their founder. He's the same guy who did all of the design work for this podcast, same guy who did uh, all the design work for the Motherfucker Awards, and now he created this great company. So go to mudwtr.com to get yours today. Also, this episode is made possible by Santa Cruz Medicinals. Santa Cruz Medicinals is a CBD company. They make CBD coconut oil, uh, olive oil. I put it in my salads. I put their coconut oil in with the mud water. It's a great blend. Sometimes I sneak a little coffee in there. Sometimes I'll put it in smoothies. And you can get 10% off of everything at scmedicinals.com by typing in the code word KYLE10. Uh, It's good for inflammation, non-psychoactive. I love it. And if you want to learn more, check out the episode that I did with Brendan Rue, their founder, uh, to learn more about this amazing product. Also, my box of goodies are almost out, but they're not quite yet. So you can go to kyle.surf or click the link below, click the box of goodies link, and you can get a greatly discounted uh, box of Santa Cruz Medicinals coconut oil, mud water, and a signed copy of the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by Dr. Jim Fadiman. Here is a quick clip from the author. I hope you enjoy this book, and if you end up using it, don't write me and tell me about it. (laughs) You heard him, everyone. Uh, Head over to kyle.surf, kyle.surf slash box of goodies to get yours before they are gone. This episode is with my close friend, Amy Baldwin. Amy is a sex and relationship coach. She is the host of the Shameless Sex Podcast, and she is, uh, I think this is her fifth or sixth time on my show, and it never gets old. Um, She is just one of my favorite people in the whole wide world to have conversations with. Please welcome to the show, the wonderful, the fabulous, the shameless Amy Baldwin. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Podcasting reunion. Yes. What is this? The fourth? This is fourth or fifth. Four or five. We're losing count now, but you're, it's all on one hand. We know that. Yeah. You're yeah. a crowd favorite. Oh, hey. y'all like sex, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Um, has your life gotten a lot better since you started your podcast? Hell yeah. Well, so this is 
my creativity i'm a very heady person but you'll if you haven't heard any of my podcasts before before on kyle's show then you will figure that out soon um that i so my creativity is through my you know my voice and my and my mind and not through necessarily my body you know i can't even draw a straight line <laughs> so what but is, why would you ever want to why would i ever want to when i have this brilliant brain um so it's just it's given me a outlet for creativity you know i had i had other things like i would you know journal and write blogs and you know dance and go to yoga but this is like my my creation and i've just i feel like i found my my niche, you know, I found, I finally found it. And yeah. same with April for our podcast for shameless sex. She is, is the same. We're like, Oh, there it is. You know, it took our thirties to figure out right. what it is that really fills us up. It is interesting when you, when you, um, feel like you're good at something kind of from the beginning. And of course you get better at it. But like, I felt that with you, like you were episode like 19 for me or something like that. Yeah. And it was pretty good. And yeah. we're like, Oh, cool. We can do this. <laughs> do you know, where there's other skills that it takes you know, like years and years and years to even feel like you're getting your head above water. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it is because it's such a collaborative field. Yeah. Like it's never just your show. It's like you, it's a lot about noticing it. It's a lot about like curiosity and really paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is a huge part of it. And, and I think that there's wit, you know, there's, there's being able to keep up with the paces, reading people and being, yeah, I think curiosity is a really good way to describe it. You know, the podcasters that ask good questions you know deep questions that open up to open the doors to all the different places that you can go I don't I guess I I don't know about you but I didn't study that I didn't listen to other podcasts and take notes on what Tim Ferriss does and say oh I'm gonna do it that way it just came naturally although maybe listening to so many podcasts taught me how to do it but it comes pretty naturally and I think it speaks to how I have conversations with folks outside of podcast world too is is I'm I'm a I think I'm a good listener and I ask questions more so than I actually talk about myself. Although on the podcast, I guess I talk about myself a lot, but <laughs> it's part of it. But that's part of it too, yeah. is like you, especially with sex, if you're trying to get someone to open up about themselves, yeah. one of the best ways is to say something vulnerable about yourself mm-hmm. to allow that doorway to open. It's like you're yeah. constantly presenting these doorways for people and you're like, Hey, if you want to walk through this, mm-hmm. cool. If not, don't because I've also been on podcasts where people ask me like way too personal of questions too early uh-huh. and I'm like I don't fucking know you dude <laughs> like like what you're asking about my mom like too soon yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and and that is because I was like you know you you haven't earned this kind of trust mm-hmm. but um it is it is fun that I feel like I've gained some of my best friends through the podcast and um my life has become so much richer yeah yeah I love it it's my favorite thing that I'm doing i actually just on our podcast recorded an episode with just my partner and i so april and i talk about our partners all the time we don't use names for past partners or current partners they're just my partner or my ex uh and and so they've always been these anonymous humans and when we were in sri lanka my partner and i recorded an episode together and he still didn't share his name i called him by his pet name which was pippy <laughs> It's cute. <laughs> Pippi, he's totally into it. Um, and and so what was interesting is he got to see, he's listened to episodes before, but he got to see me just go switch over into podcast mode, which is so natural for me that I don't notice when I do it. And, and it was showing him this whole other side of me. And 
he felt that it created this avenue for us to go into this deeper connection that we can't do. And we, we can, not that we can't, but we don't often do in normal conversation because all of a sudden, and he asked why, he's like, why is that? Because it's not just you and I, you know, where there's a third party, which is like, I don't know how many thousands of you that are being involved in our relationship in this conversation. And it, so it changes the dynamic. And I think that happens with you and I too. Whereas when you got here and we sat on the couch and we started talking before the mics, the conversation I think was different and maybe I'd say less connected than it is now that we have the mics. The mics are actually inviting us to like, oh yeah, yes, we're going into connection right. there. It's, it's like uh, the difference between climbing in a gym and climbing outdoors. Mm. Like climbing outdoors, you can, like climbing in the gym, you're always attached to the rope at the top unless yeah. you're... Um, Unless you're you're taking the rope on up to the next one, I'm sorry for all you climbers. I forget <laughs> the name. Top top roping first, the other one. Um, but uh, you know when you're climbing outdoors, a lot of times you have to go up a few feet and then latch into the next one, mm. and you could fall at that point, right? And the, so so you're not going to die, but the risks are a little bit higher. Whereas like in this conversation, like okay, we're going to go down a road, yeah. and you know like all right, like the stakes are a little bit higher because it's not just you and I, um, which I do think creates a kind of intensity that deepens the conversation. It also gives an excuse to ask that next question that hopefully opens it up. And I'm wondering if there's something to be said about being recorded that subconsciously, because it does being recorded doesn't necessarily change what I say, but subconsciously creates, alters the dynamic somehow. Um, and it, because before we recorded this episode with my with my partner, we also we just we were driving one day and we recorded a mock episode. This is before we didn't have mics, so we just did it in, in the um in the, the iPhone, and and we realized that we could say the things that we were usually scared to say to each other because we were afraid of triggering each other because we we're being recorded. And and I and I think it's because we couldn't react like crazy humans you know it couldn't be like it's fuck you motherfucker it's well you're like, also forced to continue the conversation yeah that's true that's yeah. another thing that, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing is yeah. like even if you really fuck up you got to be like it's this blending and leading pattern of like yes and yeah. all right mm-hmm. well and here we go yeah um, but the, but even the recording itself because right now we're recording for this group of folks a whole bunch of you more you're more than a group you're lovely listeners they're, they're like, I actually, thought we were going to learn about sex. Yes, we're going to talk about, about sex, but you're not even here. So, I mean, I'll, t- I'll talk about relationship piece there is that we found that by recording it, it gave us this opportunity to talk about hard things that we normally were kind of a little more cautious. So I'm, I'm not guaranteeing this will work for all y'all in your relationship stuff. And I wonder what that would happen. It feels like you're bringing a third party like we do with a therapist, right? It's like there's someone else here because it's being recorded or... Or, you know, it's on, it's on a podcast and, or, but we we did it and it felt that way even without us recording for a podcast. It'd be interesting also because how many couples say like, you always sound like this when you're like, no, I don't like, see, (laughs) told you, told you you sound like a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. It's like, no, it's told you, you never, never finish your sentences (laughs) or say what you really mean. Yeah. Well, here you go. Now we have evidence. Yeah. I mean, it's worth, it's worth trying and see what happens and maybe it won't change anything. Well, I think that it's, it's just good for people to be able to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. It's such a good life skill. Um, Well, and I was, the last thing I'll say about the recording in relationship is we often don't 
understand our tone when we speak to our partners. Right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're talking. Okay. Okay. You have same, 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 right. They, then we can hear it. And Oh, when I say that, I, I totally thought I sounded soft and loving and I sounded really abrasive and pushy. And that's what you've been like. You're okay. So that's what you've been saying. I get it now. <laughs> so I had an, an interesting experience around uh, how we sound. So, I mean, you've listened to your voice now that you know exactly how you sound for most people. They listen to their voice and they're like, oh my God, I hate it. I hate it, yeah. you know? Um, so I just did a six day silent meditation retreat. We didn't talk for six days. And on the sixth day, um, so basically the way it works is you don't talk all day. You meditate six times a day, all day long, basically, mm-hmm. um, with short breaks. And in the evenings, people um, could walk up to the to a microphone and there was a um, spiritual teacher named Adi Ashanti who's awesome highly recommend them and they could ask him one question so people would go up and they would ask him one question it would be very vulnerable personal questions and he would give very thoughtful answers um and i went up on the last day and i asked my question um and my voice sounded so weird because i hadn't heard it for six days <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm, I'm in front of this audience with this microphone which I've done many uh, times many times all of a sudden I realize I'm starting like starting to shake and I'm like it's so nervous because my voice sounds weird and I'm asking this really personal question mm-hmm. and it was this it was just a very strange tilt on something that happens so normally mm-hmm. well I've experienced Experienced something similar in I'm in a um, year two of a Hakomi training, the holistic psychotherapy training. And in year one, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to ask questions and you ask on a mic because it's recorded. And I never I raised my hand on the last day of the whole year to ask a question, partially because someone had told me in one of our sessions, like, I, I'm curious, you never ask questions, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm on a microphone all the time. And then I realized like, oh, no, this is a completely different context here. Like, this is people that are here in the psychotherapy realm where I actually am a little afraid here. And so and, and then I also I didn't have a lot of questions, but part of me thinks that that's because I was a little had some fear in asking the stupid question, you know, right. but whereas on here, I'm never afraid of that, but I'm wondering if that's similar experience or was just that you hadn't used your voice in so long. I think part of, part of it was that I hadn't used my voice. Um, I think part of it, I mean, I'm happy to share what my, my question was. It, it was around, um, this accident that I had kite surfing mm-hmm. that I snapped my arm and kind of fucked me up. I, and I realized has kind of tweaked me psychologically a little bit, like just having such an, um, an out of control experience in such an unexpected realm. Like I, I surf and, you know, you wipe out and you, um, can kind of expect those falls coming and, and go through it in your mind. But I really hadn't, I had no idea that this was a possibility to get thrown 20 feet across the beach and have found that whenever I would try and go back to that moment on the beach of like being harnessed into this huge kite and thrown 20 feet, um, I would kind of shut down. And be like, yep, I want to go there. And uh, I said, do you have any uh, advice for me moving forward? Because I, f- I don't feel like I can go through another one of these again. And he recommended that I go through the incident with a fine tooth comb again and again and again mentally to um, try and get over it. And I have been. And it's been uh, it's been very helpful. 
And but. so in, in the beginning, was there, was your experience when you go back to, and you, to revisit it in your mind, do you start to kind of disassociate a little bit in the beginning? Now it's probably different since you've been visiting it, but. Yeah. It's also just like n- not a desire to go through that experience again and again. Mm. And it's, um, you know, like they say, uh, scars are like tattoos, but with better stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's I, I feel like whenever I look at my scar, like would kind of massage it, there would just be this ping of like, like, fuck. it's like there's there's this constriction that that is still happening both physically because of the scar tissue and also psychologically um and just to notice that was something that i hadn't explored since the doing this this silent meditation retreat which we can talk about i haven't talked about it on any podcast it was a profound experience and really hard i mean just i don't Screw psychedelics. I, I, I oh, feel, really? You feel that way? I, well, here, I, I mean, I talk about psychedelics far too much on this podcast, um, but I feel like the durability of the lessons with when being forced to sit with your thoughts for six days straight um, was very um, practicable mm-hmm. in a way that just eating a bunch of mushrooms and seeing that beautiful 360 degree view of the top of the mountain isn't of course um, yeah. but i think that it's you know psychedelics have so many fireworks attached to them we talk about that much more than we do something like silent meditation mm-hmm. um and it it yeah I'm, I'm sold on it it straight up felt like jedi training i mean you're in this room <laughs> yeah. with you know 150 other people and you're sitting for in silence in silence uh-huh and, yeah. and there are some moments when I would open my eyes and just look around and it was like, wow. this is cool. Were you, it was six days? It was six okay. days, yeah. The yeah, longest I've done is five and super, super powerful. I, I understand what you're saying. Totally Jedi training. My my The thing that I would, would say about psychedelics, though, is like there's a difference between going and taking psychedelics by yourself or with some friends and watching the sunset versus... I'm sitting in a ceremony for three days and I believe in a three day ceremony over a one day ceremony. And you know, you're talking about PTSD that you have in your system, like MDMA with a therapist, probably right. Pretty beneficial. (laughs) No, no, I, I agree. I was, um, I, I do think that psychedelics absolutely have their place. Mm -hmm. I think that with guidance, with guidance, I think that, um, it requires, I think that for real transformation to happen, it requires a kind of discipline that most people aren't up for without a, a serious amount of guidance or, or protocol to really stick to. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to just do it and then like say that you stuck to the protocol. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't most of the time. You know, I always, we love to like talk about the people we want to be rather yeah. than the people that we really are. Of course. You know, so, so I, I felt like just focusing on, I mean, just noticing how little control over my mind I really have. Oh, yeah. Like that was the, the big takeaway. Like, holy shit, every six seconds I'm caught in a new narrative yeah. and I need to catch that thought and bring it back and focus on the breath and and that kind of training has yeah again the word that kept coming up was was durability yeah. through the whole experience durability, okay yeah you know when we first became friends years ago you had said told me it was like 2012 or something around there and you told me that you were meditating every morning for 10 minutes or that that there was the, the practice you were starting to cultivate and 
I know that you told me that that is what the first initial spark for my meditation journey was hearing that from you and saying like, huh, okay. That sounds like that's an important thing of Kyle saying that. And then, <laughs> and then I went to a, um, tantric meditation thing where you would do this like tantric meditation, breathing thing where you're kind of moaning in a big group of 200 people for, uh, 30 minutes. And then decided from there, I would go to, in, to do little meditation sets and then start doing retreats and all that. But anyways, long story short, you kind of, spearheaded the whole the whole movement for me by just like you know mentioning that briefly i'm happy to hear that i am um yeah the i think that the apps are really great initial thread Mm -hmm. to start pulling on like five minutes in the morning 10 minutes in the morning whatever you can do just get a few of those really clear voices in your head Mm -hmm. um to to recognize that that it's a successful session if your mind goes crazy for a hundred different thoughts but you bring it back a hundred times like train yourself to have that be seen as a successful meditation Mm -hmm. um rather than like oh my god this is so crazy and and out of control but i felt like it was this experience for me was like the difference between you know hanging out in a three-foot pool for a couple years and then all of a sudden you go into the deep end Mm -hmm. and you're like whoa there's a lot more here um Mm-hmm. A lot more. I mean, I know that a lot of a lot of work you do um, is around people recognizing their worthiness. Yeah. Um, and it's this this balance between, you know, re- and this is something that was articulated to me during the session is that realizing that you um, are always becoming with every new experience you have, with every new thought you you have, with every new experience, with every new new relationship you build, you're always becoming someone new. And you have always and and forever been complete. Mm-hmm. Like there is something within in you that is so pristine and can never be shaken. Mm-hmm. And to and our minds don't like that. Our minds are so dualistic. We like think we we like to think that like either it's one or the other. Either I'm I'm complete and like, you know, we know those people, people that are just like up in the clouds and very kind of floaty and don't seem like they really are going places. And then there's people who are who are I'm definitely more on this side of the spectrum, completely achievement oriented mm-hmm. and like you know, have had some some issues with self worth of mm-hmm. just like not not really feeling like I'm ever good enough, and to to be able to just fucking completely see that in that silence was a powerful experience. Was it frightening? Was it was it hard to look at? Or? No, it was no. Good. it was good. It was yeah. just like it, it was almost like just uncovering something that had always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into it pretty darn. Uh, just kind to myself yeah um but so it was a good experience overall yeah Yeah. well i'll link that to sex that i just had a realization about meditation and sex the other day um coming back to this that story of when you mentioned meditation in 2012 and then i started that started meditating regularly and I, i did that i committed to for a couple, like two or three days, I said I was going to meditate every day for five minutes, and then I'd up it to 10 minutes, and then I up it to 15 minutes, and two weeks passed by, and then I doubled down for a month, and by then it was 20, and I'd meditate every day. And then it really stuck for years. And then in 2000, 
2017, the beginning of 2017, I went through some really hard emotional stuff with my partner was com- pretty much completely separated then. And while having the, the best therapist ever where I was doing work on staying with all the feelings and the hardships, I on the side was also really like escaping and numbing out. And part of what happened was that my meditation practice dropped off. And so in the last two years, my meditation practice has been present, but just half ass and coincidentally and also probably not this is what i'm linking it this this to or linking them together now is that my connection to my sexuality like my my sexual vibrance and aliveness and like that you know my drive has been turned down and i keep thinking it's like oh it's this trauma or that or da, 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 da. and recently i just had this simple thought I'm like meditation you know when i started meditating regularly I was so much more connected to my body and my sexuality, my, my sex drive, my connection to my pussy and my, you know, all that just turned up. And I, part of me is like, you know, I think it's a compilation of things. It's not just that it's all kinds of things, but I think that that is huge because I am a heady person and I'm really fast moving and, and a planner and a goal oriented person. And meditation allows me this short time period to just be in here and in me especially if I'm meditating into breath or sometimes I'll meditate actually breathing into my lower belly, but imagining that breath filling up like inside of my, my uterus or in my yoni or something like that. Um, and so it's just the simple thought of like, Oh, you keep looking for all these reasons. Like it's this trauma and that like, it might just be that you're not meditating enough. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. A lot of times it is those simple answers. I mean, when you think about it, if you're caught up in a narrative all day long, why would that narrative of being worried about, the future or, 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 you know, depressed about the past stop during sex. Yeah. Like, uh, I, 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 it's pretty rare for people to be totally present during sex. Oh yeah. And thus they're not going to be enjoying it nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tuning out and, and meditate. The more I have meditated in the past on my own, not even related to sexuality, the more it's trained, like you said, Jedi training my mind for that single point of focus to stay focused on the touch or the sensations or whatever, you know, whatever that is. And I just, I just have this, this simple understanding. Like I'm just out of practice. My, my, my mind and my body is out of practice of just that single point of focus. It's used to being busy or trying to run away from being in here. Um, so that's, yeah, well, we'll I, see. I'll tell you, this isn't related to, to um, you know, sex or anything, but um, I've just been more stoked on my situation since I've been back from this retreat. Mm-hmm. Like, just more pumped on, I, I mean, I live a, a great life, mm-hmm. um, but just the little things within it. Like, we have ducks in our backyard. I've been going <laughs> out in the backyard and feeding our ducks every morning mm-hmm. and chilling with them for a couple minutes. Like, mm. what's up? Yeah. How's your life doing? Like, what's, <laughs> what are you thinking about? Like, ah, oh, you're enjoying that duck food. Cool. <laughs> Radical. Yeah, you know, like every morning, they're every morning like brat 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 in our backyard, and I open up their little barn and like oh, they're pet ducks. They're pet ducks. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have pet ducks. I thought you just had some visitors. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> pet ducks. And they're gonna start laying eggs soon. Oh, duck eggs. It's so rad. I have an outdoor freezer with all with like meat that I've hunted, and we have ducks. And oh, like, I feel like my life's fucking complete. Sustainable on the so, east side of Santa Cruz. I honestly, it's it's like. I could lie to you and say that like it's it's all about sustainability and like really care about Mother Earth, but like it just makes me feel kind of fucking awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. fucking love my ducks. I love my meat. Like, oh my 
going You guys want to come over and smoke some meat in my Traeger and we got some duck eggs? <laughs> I'm like, fucking complete. And then complete. you can talk to them and you can pet them. And- right. But just being stoked on that kind of stuff, I'm sure can transfer into relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it's, it's probably very common, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, to always be wanting more like always mm. thinking that this new sex position or this new toy or this new you know threesome or like relationship dynamic will solve it for you because it gives you this kind of uh, adrenaline rush mm. for a short period of time but then you know you're lost in the same way that you know a millionaire buys a new boat and is happy for where's a couple the, yeah, weeks where's the next high yeah, I, I get that. And I've, I've had that feeling of meditation retreats before where I, I would just sit and look at bees pollinating flowers. And it was, just, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I understand, like, oh, wow, this was humans, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This was normal to be that connected to the simplicity and beauty of nature. Uh, and I, yeah, I do think that that does speak to relationship. And one thing, I was working with a client today with a couple, and I was realizing that they get so caught up in their stories about the other person's process. And it wasn't even just about sex, but this happens in sex too. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? This must be their experience. But we do that in conversations with our partners too. And we make all these assumptions based on our history with them of what we know about them, of why they're showing up the way that they're showing up. And then oftentimes people just act accordingly based on their stories. And that is not helpful because we we don't know anything, you know, we think we do, but we don't, we're not inside their heads, but we create these stories. So what I said to them, they've been together for a number of years. Like you guys stop getting curious about each other. You, you think that you have the other person all figured out. You're not asking questions before you act. You actually listen to the stories in your head about why they are the way they are. And then you act accordingly. And half the time it's inaccurate or offensive and it's not exciting either because we're like, eh, this is, I got it all figured out instead of like, huh, you know, what's driving you right now? Or like, why is this operate that way? Or, or even just slowing down, like you're talking about to pay attention to the kind of the simplicity of what's in front of you with new eyes, you know, just uh, when we look at, look at your partner with new eyes and actually go into that mindset, like, I'm just going to sit down and take a couple of best and just look at you as if I've never looked at you before and get really curious about you. And, and as if I don't know a thing about you and you'll notice so many different things about their face, their gestures, if they're speaking their words. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's really powerful. One of the uh, lessons they taught in the, the retreat was blow job 101 blow job 101. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like meditation, silence all day. Blow and jobs. then like, anal 101 at night yeah Yeah, it was perfect oh i'm in yeah we came out with open minds and buttholes (laughs) i Uh, got uber lube for that (laughs) sponsored by uber lube yeah everyone's ready to every everyone's ready to take anything in the evening (laughs) after all that silence um no they said you know treat every breath like it's your first breath get really curious about it and it's wild to experience that like to really breathe in through your nose like it's the first time you've ever done it Mm. holy shit like Mm -hmm. it's it's tragic in a way you really like by taking one breath in your nose you can see all of the tragedy of the world because the tragedy is all that we miss Mm. you realize that you've never I, i felt that like wow i've never thought about a nose breath as completely 
presently as as I am in this moment. You mean so the tragedy is that the, you're realizing how much in the world you you're missing and not experiencing? It's the Cat Stevens. It's like the yeah. Cat Stevens song, like when you coming home, son. I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, it's like the story of him missing, mm. of the father missing his son's whole life and then he's old and you know he wants to get together with his kid and the kid's busy with the wife and the too late uh, yeah yeah, you missed it yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. it's gone um you know too busy trying to get there and then that's but yeah I, i i do think that um also if you're continuing to if you're asking questions about your partner engaging them in your story they're more likely to respond accordingly mm-hmm. because people tend to rise to the occasion. Like mm-hmm. that's always one thing that I've, I've um, thought about whenever I would do um, like uh, on camera stuff or, or even podcasting stuff. Like I would treat the audience like they're smart. Mm-hmm. People are smart and they're, I, I've seen it enough. They will rise to the, to an occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of times people just treat each other like they're stupid and then yeah. they act like it. Yeah, or that yeah, that they've have them all figured out. That was right. one of the things with this couple. It's like, you guys keep they they would say these things to each other. And you again, you're feeling like you thinking that you have it all figured out. What this person's process is, you don't know. You don't know anything, and you're acting accordingly. And and it's just, it's a part of the blame game too. I mean, it's and then and then there's also the, w- the ways that we speak to each other. I was listening to. Um, Someone of our teachers for Hakomi talk about relationships and how I think he was saying that twenty percent of our our communication with our you know our lovers words only makes up twenty percent of it. It's tone and body language that we're really paying attention to. And the nice thing about that is that we don't have to put a whole bunch of focus in one. Like if words are not our specialty, we can get better at maybe tone and body language. Or if uh, we're really great with words, maybe we also could use a little bit of skill in tone and body language. So we're not just all heady with words um but to know that there's all these ways that we're contributing to what's going on here in this dynamic and this isn't just with lovers and partners this is with with everyone you know right now i'm looking at you and your arms are crossed and you're looking me in the eyes so i can tell that you're actually listening to me and you're you're here but you're, if your eyes were maybe wandering and your arms were a little drooped to the side maybe i would create some stories in my head that were saying oh kyle's not that interested in what i'm saying and then i go into my whole worthiness thing and then i create a story and act on it instead of asking hey kyle is this still interesting you or do you want to change topics? Right. Which isn't what yeah, people one, are trained to do. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that you taught me uh, or you said in a podcast, I got a ton of feedback of a bunch of bunch of dudes being like, <laughs> dude, this shit works, is to greet your partner when when you walk in the door. Oh. Like the first story right after <laughs> after the day, like you don't know if it's been a hurricane for your girlfriend or boyfriend's. Uh, you know, you don't know what their day has been like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that like, it seems like that story gets created within the first five seconds. Yeah. Like if they just walk in and like, oh, they're like, in just mood. go straight for the yeah. guacamole without <laughs> looking you in the eye. Just chugging the bottle of wine. Right. Yeah. But yeah, just to like take those extra 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, another uh, uh, lesson in meditation. I'm just going to stay with that thread is like, yeah, it's important to take those moments in the transitional points of your life, mm-hmm. in the transi- transitional points of your day. Yeah. Right. I love that you just went to this meditation retreat before we're recording a podcast on sexuality, though, because it's it, there's it's so 
related. You know, it's this like this slowing down, this complete presence, even if it's just for a little blip in time, you know, a little bit of time doesn't mean that you have to be completely present for your partner the whole time because that'd be really exhausting and we're just probably not capable. But like you're saying, these little moments of like, hi, there you are. I would like to connect with you for a couple of minutes and then I need to go back to my busy day, but I'm fully here right now. Like what wants to happen right now? And that in itself can do so much, even if it's for five minutes. It can do, you don't, you don't necessarily need to have hours upon hours as long as you show up with all of yourself. Right. Which can be hard to do. Yeah. Well, I I think that there are a few lessons that have kind of permeated down through the thousands of years. Like Mm -hmm. one thing that was exciting, just, just, um, I don't know, humbling about the experience was to realize how many people have been working with their breath for thousands of years and like Zen Buddhism, it's, you know, the, the practice of meditation is paramount to everything else. Like all other lessons are, are, um, subservient, I guess, to the, just continuing to practice and to, to understand how many people throughout the, the ages have, um, really put an emphasis on that. My point is that I think that there are a few lessons that are that are said in many different ways just so that we can like realize that we just have thousands of people telling us to breathe and <laughs> shut the fuck up and slow down. It's that simple. Right. We have all these elaborate stories. We have musicians, we have religious teachers, right. we have sex therapists <laughs> all saying the same shut thing. Shut the fuck up and breathe and be present and focus on your breath or your body and just stay with that. That could be it. My, and then I have no job. Thanks, Kyle. You're right. me out of business. <laughs> yeah. But no. that, that's it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I mean it's you, huge. <clears throat> yeah. It really, it really is. And yeah, the, the breath really is, it's always with us. And in, with sexuality, the breath plays such a huge role in our orgasmic process and our connection to our body and blood flow. There's so many parts of it that uh, we're not paying attention to. And I think I actually, the other day I went to a, um, a breathwork workshop where you're doing the, I don't, I mean, it's holotropic breathing, right? But, but it was just an hour long. What is holotropic breathing is it, sound like? Is it, are we doing the, where you're doing the, through the, the more emphasis on the inhale. Right. It, honestly, when I did it for an hour, I'm probably doing it wrong right at this moment. For the first 10 minutes, I was not getting right because I got total tetanus where my, your hands just go in little balls and they're like. Yeah, T-Rex hands. Yeah, T-Rex hands. <laughs> Hands. and then your What's arms start going over your head like, it's strange <laughs> everyone out there check out holotropic yes. breathing transformational breath work yeah. i actually had someone on my podcast who was a transformational breather who was a coach because oh, cool. i did one of those classes and i was like what the fuck happened my yes. hands turned into t-rex yes. and i started sobbing yeah like what's going on i think here? i listened was someone and that was like the she was a woman yeah and she described as like a bait like a breathing like a baby right yeah because that was like a little yeah. soft one. Anyways, th- 15 minutes into it. Nicole, figured, Nicole Ragger, everyone who wants to check that one out. Yeah, is her name. I listened. I thought it was a good good episode. I, yeah, and I, and I I liked the the comparison to watching a baby and the way that they breathe. And in this one, after 15 minutes, I realized she had said more focus on the inhale. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing I'm 
they're equal and so I need bigger and so what I started doing is these like extravagant movements of my body to get more air in and I probably look like this possessed human just going through this whole wild process I was letting my legs like my open my pelvis was moving I was like this totally looks like a tantric sex workshop that I'm going into but I'm just unleashing it and I forgot exactly why I was talking about this but it was something about oh the, the power, power of the breath. breath yeah and feeling that by by breathing in that way that I, I what I got out of it was I felt every cell of my body vibrating or so that's my perception um, and that in my normal everyday life I can't feel that and I'm not and so therefore I know breath is obviously getting there's oxygen getting to my whole body that's why I'm, I'm still alive but in that I got to actually feel it penetrating in every part of my body you know including my genitals in this in this way that was like I am breathing into my whole being right now. And, this, and it was really powerful to feel that, to feel the power of the breath and what it can do to aliven and connect me to, to everything. Is there a type of uh, breathing you recommend for people when they are having sex? Well, if you want to increase your arousal, you would breathe more fast paced, more like, like panting. If you increase your arousal, you choke each other. <laughs> yeah, you choke each other, and then oh, you yeah, maybe that'll help you too. Um, but I mean, like if you're uh, wanting to, if you say maybe you're not feeling a lot of like fire and turn on, and you want to. It's just for bit. big wave training. That's, that's what you that, do. That's the only time. You guys choke each other. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my god, it's good. I joke. I, are you sure? It's after that kiteboarding accident. Now you're. Yeah, really I have to get over this PTSD somehow. Masochistic, actually. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, yeah, or but if you also if you want to slow the energy down or be more connected to your partner or your or your, your own body, I think slower, deeper breaths. And in sexuality, we usually teach you to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Or the, like so it's a little different than the the breath you would do in breath work workshops because that's usually through the mouth, right? But um, and you would imagine as a circular breath too. So one thing I like to do is inhale in and kind of imagine I'm pulling air literally as I inhale in through. And then I would tighten my pelvic floor at the same time. So like pulling in energy or air from the earth into my pussy and then up through my belly and then up my spine and in my neck. And at the top of the inhale, it's at the top of my head. And as I exhale, I relax my pelvic floor and then imagine that breath as I let it out through my mouth, I could travel out through the front of my body and then back out my pussy and back into the earth. I love the word pussy. Sorry, everyone. So, fuck, my it's the best. yoni, my Vagina. sacred vulva. Um, yeah, that, that seems helpful. <laughs> yeah, and you can do that as your own practice, too. If you're feeling disconnected from your sexuality or from your body, um, that's something that you can do. Or, or maybe you're going to meet up with a, pers- a partner and you're not feeling that confident and just not feeling that connected or you're kind of disconnected from feeling super aroused. You can do rounds of that breath for five minutes and it can totally help you to show up present instead of waiting for the other person to get you turned on. Right. So So you you were saying that you uh, were feeling disconnected from your sexuality. Yeah. um, So I I, can go as deep into this as as you feel comfortable, but I, um, again, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is like how spirituality is tends to see be seen as this like up and out thing like mm. we want you to spread your consciousness across the cosmos and realize that you're not your body you're not your ego you are connected to all beings but that's just part of it because you're here in this body doing some shit and you got to 
you know, get to get to work and you got to, you know, make dinner and you got and, and show up in this body. And I think that just as important of, of part of spirituality that's not so emphasized is this kind of down and mm, in mm-hmm. like regrounding like, yeah, I'm fucking here. And I want to crush it in this lifetime. And yeah. that's part of my spirituality. And I think that part of the reason that I uh, have, you know, in the past been kind of averse to to it is because, you know, here in Santa Cruz, there are a lot of floaty people that oh, are like, yeah. you know, claim to be ultra spiritual and, you know, reek of Palo Santo, but really <laughs> can't hold a job. Uh and I think that 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 like power breathing is a really important part of of getting back into that down and in aspect of spirituality. But it mm. seemed like that's that was also something that you were, I don't know, like maybe dealing with or or mine was more like trying to to leave because it felt too challenging to feel all the feelings of you know a feeling in that in that time, uh, you know, grieving a relationship that had ended and, and we're back together now but they had you know we've gone to australia and we had no contact and so it was grieving that i had an abortion before that so it was a trauma on my body i wasn't really connected to the life but the abortion also felt like the the it was the death of our relationship that's not why we broke up other reasons um but just feeling in general hurt too much so i it was more like wasn't going into the heavens or, or cosmos or in a, in a spiritual way. I was leaving because it didn't feel good to be here. So I was numbing out with various things, various substances or, and it wasn't, it wasn't really alcohol, but the various substances and so being very social and, and just kind of zombie like, and spent, uh, maybe two months that way ish which is so funny because that's when i started seeing my amazing therapist so i would go be with her and feel for this one hour session and then i go home and like man not feeling anymore and um i think the longer we spend not feeling and being disconnected the more work we have to do to get back in there and it's been a journey uh to to feel again and to get back into the training and there's so many aspects to it you know i don't i don't have it all figured out but yeah i understand what you're saying that is a balance of being here and also being connected to the greater but not just being about the greater not just being in our body or just being in our head like we're we need a balance of all of it yeah Mm -hmm. um I think we also need jump starts from time to time at least i do like if i'm feeling like i'm I'm in a funk and i just don't know what i want to do next like recording podcasts fills me up yeah me too like it really does make me feel like yeah that was fun and you can just can, can you just like turn on anytime to like 100 ti- oh shoot i'm kind of tired right now and not really feeling it and then like, the mic goes on yeah then you're like Woo! oh shit <laughs> like, it's time betsy from dayton ohio might be listening better turn it on for her betsy dayton ohio yeah so this is for you uh yeah, I think that that kind of faking it for little little bits of time can really help because then all of a sudden maybe someone says something to you that mm-hmm. that you know like again there's just a thousand different ways of saying like get off your ass go do something but don't get too into yourself shut the fuck up every, every <laughs> once in a while that simple but <laughs> don't really. forget to breathe uh-huh. yeah but you just you know you need those little those little uh, jump starts yeah. every now and again okay i'll call them like ecstatic experiences too or just like a little swift kick in the ass to, and sometimes the, they can happen from really hard challenging things or they can happen from you know ecstatic breath work or meditation retreats yeah. or psychedelic experiences or great sex where you have five million orgasms who doesn't want that yeah. hey i have a question sure side note did you see our online our campaign on shameless sex on instagram 
Mm, oh yeah, the uh, the one with the, the the things that people were holding up. The boards, yeah, yeah. they were like I I've, I I faked all my orgasms. Right, I've I've you know cheated. I um, I share a bed with my. Uh, best friend and her husband and people would put them like their faces over their faces, over yeah. their faces. yeah um that was great it was yeah. super triggering for a lot of people really i mean it was it was really powerful for a lot of folks we didn't really know what we were going to expect but that so we did this campaign where we wanted to inspire uh, is for female identified folks to send us anonymous photos like we know who they are because they're from instagram but the world doesn't know and of them holding a piece of paper over their face that just says something that they um, felt was that they were hiding from the world or that was one of those things that people didn't b- really believe was an experience of women um, that was more like for men or or what is in the, it was in the shadows and gave them opportunity to out it and so we didn't know what we were to expect but we got close to a hundred of them and and people just by sending it to us like this felt so good to just share this and then we had a lot of participation a lot of feedback from people that were who didn't even send us anything but just by seeing it they're like oh i'm normal you know someone else has this experience but the triggering ones were around fidelity you know infidelity and around sorry yeah infidelity around around cheating around being in a partnership and still um, having either things on the side or someone would say someone said that they're dating a married man um, and everyone just like went crazy about it like oh what is the what about the wife and da-da-da. and like the wife is the one that they would she didn't put this on there because it was a tiny piece of paper but the wife is the one that actually requested this said hey you should get a girlfriend on the side um, but she so it was a perfect example of the shame that she deals with because she can't tell anyone because they'll do exactly that you know that they have all these judgments so it was interesting to see how um how triggered people get about the infidelity thing affairs and cheating when the statistics show it's something like over 20% of Americans will or have strayed from their monogamous relationships, but it's like so highly triggering. I think it's just a great example of what is still ingrained in us from, um, from religion and from the original rules that were given to us. So it was, yeah, it was, it was just fascinating. Do you think see. that's what it is? Do you think it's, it's religion and that, yeah. you know, from childhood, you, you learn that you're not supposed to do that. I think it's beyond our childhood, but I, it's, I think it's so everywhere that we, we see in so many messages and, you know, in the media and how we were raised and maybe in the church, if you're in the church and Bill Clinton, yeah, good old Bill Clinton. Yeah. 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 There's, there's so many, uh, so many messages that we get that there's this idea of wrong and right and good and bad and that, uh, cheating is wrong. Meanwhile, you look in other cultures, like cheating isn't even really considered cheating in other cultures where it's kind of like, Oh yeah, my partner slept with the other person. Yeah, that that happened. Like that's just that's kind of not unusual. And there's it's just so such I'll a diversity. Say. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just it's such a diversity of experiences. But we're just so stuck in this thing where we don't even question. We're not even looking at it like why do why am I so triggered by this? You know, okay, no one cheated on me, but I have a friend that maybe was cheated on or something, and that was really hard for them. So I feel personal. So maybe that's why. But really, like, what's deeper beyond that it's just such a scary trigger point for people they think it's the end of the world right you know the end of their relationship and it, and it might be but it doesn't always work that way 
Right. For men and women too. Totally. It's not just a, for, but I think the reason why we did this was to highlight the experiences. A lot of times people think that women are more monogamous than men, that they're looking more for the white picket fence and they just want to find their dream man and, and, you know, settle down and have babies. And we found so many women are like, I'm happily married. I want to have sex with other guys. I'm happily married. I can't stop fantasizing about women. I'm happily married. I cheat. I, you know, and we saw a lot of that. And so I think that it's a good example of speaking to something greater, which is that we can still be super happy and connected and in love with our partners and still want others. And also sometimes make mistakes that are outside of our arrangement and that that's normal. Right. And that it's, and, and so again, I, people were looking at the, someone said about the campaign, they said, this whole campaign is, um, is, is like encouraging this behavior. And, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, oh God, one of these guys. And I was like, uh, okay, first of all, in nowhere are we saying go ahead, go and cheat. It's great. It's wonderful. Hooray. You know, we're all about integrity and whatever the the arrangement you have with your partner. You know, we, we, we love that. And let's be honest. This is actually a common experience for folks. And, and a lot of women have desire for other than their partner. Yeah. Well, and you know, that commenter has some skeletons in their closet. Of course. Right. Yeah. They're terrified of it. And the other one that was really triggering though, was the or faking orgasms. Was, really? Oh yeah. That was super triggering for a number of people. What like, do you mean by triggering? That's just like people get angry. I know. Triggering. I don't even know why I'm that using word, that word. Yeah. We that, got, we that, got tr- that word triggers Sorry. Me. That, that word gets thrown in the toilet and flushed down. It was overused. Like, so I'm going to say activated. Cause it's like lit. Yeah. Say lit they anymore. get lit up but, or, or, or activated. Like they feel yeah. something and triggering right. to uh, triggering. I was, I was, in I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I also like when people use triggering in the way that they're speaking to an actual traumatic uh, response. So yes, I thank you for the correction. And they were just feeling very passionate about it. Yeah. You know, why would she do that? Oh, that sucks for the guys. You know, she's, she's a liar and like, it's the, Poor, poor men. And yeah, I understand. I understand a little, I understand an aspect of that. And what people aren't looking at is that women have been conditioned for centuries to be pleasers and as a means of survival. And it even translates into sex where, yeah, they're faking orgasms for a lot of reasons, worthiness and, you know, not knowing how to communicate and whatever, but also like it's not as easy as just like, Oh, just speak your truth and let them know how to pleasure you and tell your partner how to learn some skills. Like they're absolutely terrified because it comes down to survival. If I actually speak to the fact that I'm not having pleasure, then your worthiness is questioned and we can't have the man's worthiness questioned because then he won't love me because then it will turn around and be something that I've done to him. You know, there's so many things. And so it's just interesting to see, um, how people aren't looking at why they think the way that they think and to that it's, it was eye opening to see how deeply it runs and how fearful they are of just looking beyond what they believe right now in this point in time, in this exact place, which is so different from any other point in time and the beliefs that were common then and any other, this point in time in other cultures. Right. Yeah, well, I think it's important to have uh, commentary like yours out there that can take a statement like, like this is encouraging this kind. Of, that's encouraging this kind of behavior, and like look at that thought rather than identifying with the thought immediately, which that person obviously did. Like, huh? Why am I thinking this way? Mm-hmm. Is a really, it's a superpower mm-hmm. to have. Yeah, 
and, and to notice that, like, oh, why, why does this really make me afraid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The answer is going to come to you. Yeah, it's going to come to you very quickly if you're willing to listen to it. Yeah, um, and that can free you. Otherwise, it's like you know, it's like the analogy, like you're trying to create this this perfect road, uh, you know, on the dirt, and there's all these these thorns and brambles and you're just like trying to constantly pave down cement to make your perfect little world. Uh, or you can make sandals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, and I, and I, I have compassion for those, the folks that are, are stuck in a certain way of think of thinking because I, I like, I get it. I get, I get that some of it is just conditioning and some of it is just absolutely terrifying. Like it's really scary for the subconscious or the conscious mind to take in everything that questions what you've, you have been taught. I understand why, or, or if you've had personal experiences, you know, I think of some of the women that were really triggered by the, the uh, woman that was with the married man was because that happened to them. You know, they had someone that slept with their husband and it was really painful. And so now it brings up this old feeling like for you, you know, certain things that remind you of injuring your arm and some old kind of PTSD. Um, But then it shadows their whole perspective, um, which I think speaks to just not doing the personal work around the the wounding. Right. Yeah. So what would you recommend as first steps to for someone to deal with something like I, I fake my orgasms yeah. or I've, you know, cheated on my husband or mm-hmm. cheated on my wife. Like what, Yeah. how do you pull on that, that thread in a way that doesn't overwhelm you? Because it's, you mean a person to deal stuff. with hearing it or they actually did th- those things like that person, them. uh, the person who, yeah, let's start with the person who did it first. The person that did it. I mean, well, as I said, with faking orgasms, that it's there's so much more going on than just, you know, my partner isn't very good at touching me, and I'm not, or I'm not very good at asking for what I want, or sometimes it's I don't know what I, what I want, um, because there's a bigger piece there, which would be worth you know worthiness, and also maybe being taught to be a pleaser and afraid to speak up to the man because you don't want to threaten his masculinity and you might not even resonate with that but it's it's so ingrained in our culture and I mean as someone who really identifies with that um, so I think the first step is awareness just I ask like you're like we're talking about asking questions and, and creating some some level of awareness and opening up to the possibilities of you know why I do what I do and also paying attention to the steps right because there's initial steps there it's not like okay we're going to have sex actually it could be this way it could be I'm going to have sex with my partner I already know that I'm going to fake the orgasm that most likely would be though that you've been already been doing it for a while so starting to pay attention to the the processes like the meditation right coming back to that. So when the mind shifts, you know, what's happening in the mind? Is it they're touching you and you're so not in your body because you're thinking, I'm not going to come, not going to come, not going to come. Okay, fuck it. I'm just going to fake it. What can you alter in that process? And part of that, I think, and this is what I commented on in the the post to the, the a lot, there's often men that were like, that's fucked up to the faking orgasms that, that she would do that. Um, I said, well, if you want to be an ally, this is what... I invite you to do with your partners is to let them know that there's no pressure like orgasm. Awesome. It's a bonus. If it doesn't happen, 
super awesome too. I'm just happy to be intimate with you. I'm happy to be pleasuring you, just touching you, being here with you. Like I have no goals. I have no agenda. I'm just here for the journey. We don't need to get anywhere. In fact, I'm like, that's, that is not even a priority. Like, sure. That'll turn me on, but my worth is not built on that. Let your, and maybe not in those exact words, but let your people know that <laughs> my worth is not built on <laughs> like, that. Wow. He's so babe. deep. So spiritual. I don't want to trigger you. My worth is not built on that. You're triggered right now. You're triggered. Transparency, authenticity, and some other spiritual words. Yeah. I mean, just letting them know that there's no goals. They think that there's, there's places that we need to go. So we need to go there and that if we don't, and then, you know, there, there are people and like April's one of them. April is a self-identified, um, I don't even know what the word is, but she gets off on being the best. So Your co-host. She, yeah, I'm a co-host from Shameless Sex. If she doesn't give her partner the best pleasurable experience, aka orgasm, she feels like she failed. And what does that do for him? You know, that is a lot of pressure for him if he doesn't have the orgasm. He's like, then he failed her and it's this whole downward spiral so it isn't just happening from one side right yeah it's like the uh it's like the father of the soccer kid like i train champions son (laughs) 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 i'm not raising a loser here the kid's like you will ejaculate (laughs) i was still on the soccer field kyle i was still on the soccer field and then you brought me somewhere else i did that yeah Yeah. was just the whole visual the old switcheroo and then i mean score the goal you score the goal i mean there you go go and then the erections stop happening and then they have ejaculatory issues and then they become my clients and i make more money so uh, (laughs) that is part of what the work that i do paradox of shame yeah but there but there it is i mean there's there's ways that we can by not having these expectations or goals or places we need to go it can that they're coming back to the meditation like you don't have a goal on meditation right you're that's this is gonna be the theme of your podcast i don't know when they, you're obviously med, sure. where meditation is gonna be the title but you don't have there's no goal it's just being present with each moment and that is what we do in great connected sex right we well and sex. also that um you know there are certainly meditative athletes and people who have have spent years and years doing it who are better meditators than you but quote unquote enlightenment is not something that is goal oriented and it's not something that's so far away it's just something that you it's a mental state that you can just notice mm-hmm. um like one thing that this guy Adi Ashanti said that that I um liked was that meditation isn't something you do meditation is something that you notice mm, mm-hmm. it's yeah. this it's this state that all of a sudden you become aware of and you just rest in awareness um similarly for sex like yeah you don't need to be a fucking porn star you know flexing it i don't in think the, porn stars are very present too i think that they're they're probably they're very yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're looking to get the shot yeah um but you know, you, you can still get to a very special place immediately. Mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't take years of work, you know, to just to realize that that path, like it is, you know, it goes back to what I was saying like that, that, that staircase is infinite. It's never going to end, but also you're exactly in the place where you need to be. If you can just be in the fucking moment. Yeah. Which is hard to do, especially people have trauma or, and, and they don't have experience of being present in their bodies and then you have someone else inside of you if you're having sex or maybe you're inside of someone else or wait that maybe happens you're not. That sometimes it does Jesus. There, so Kyle let me tell you some stories there, so there's some humans on this 
this planet that have vulvas and they have a vaginal canal and they have an anus and they're both penetratable. Dun, dun, dun. When I was a little kid, I thought the vagina was on the front. I thought that like the vaginas were probably where the penis was and we would just like come together and you have sex like you <laughs> hug. Like, I was like, why wouldn't it be? Like yeah. definitely before I had seen a vagina. And then even when I saw a vagina, like little kid vagina being a little kid, um, still I don't sense. see little kid vaginas anymore. <laughs> I, that was when I was six Correction. years old. Correction. Just want to just wanna make sure you all know. Underscore that he was point. still six when that happened. Okay. But I was like, oh yeah, it's on the front. Uh-huh. Right. And then you're like, there's a cave down there? <laughs> you know, I, we recorded an episode with um, Sex with Emily. It was a podcast, Sex with Emily. And she was saying that, um, that oh God, what did she say? That uh, female body folks who have their uh, clitoris closer to their vaginal canal, statistically, or the research is showing that they have more orgasms. So like the actual look of the external genitalia might be able to speak to the more, more access orgasm. I mean, cause their clitoris is closer to the part that's being, this is, she's speaking, I think to heterosexual relationships too, but mm. that, that there's more access to it. Like there's more access to the clitoris being touched every time there's penetration or fingers or mouths or whatever that is. Like even just with a cock. It would, Co- it would you're, touch you're the holding clitoris. a fist in your hand right like, <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of gesticulation during my like, podcast you just went like full on fist <laughs> you use like my pinky finger <laughs> that is a huge cock we're talking about science here it's an important yeah. point Amy yeah no I think it, I think it's valuable just to talk about the diversity of uh, vulvas and female sexuality and that um, that it, it makes a difference and one and and one one thing I recently did too, I talking about all the the things I've done is took a poll with our listeners and asked them um, different questions about sexuality. I think we had like two hundred of them answer and asked some women, does penetration alone um, feel absolutely amazing to you? Just by having a cock or a dildo or something inside of you, it just feels like so good. And I think we had like sixty percent of them answered yes and forty percent answered no, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. And it speaks to a lot of different aspects of it but i'm one of the people who will be in the know that just having a cock inside of me doesn't do that much for me and like yeah there's nerve endings being touched but i also don't think i have that many nerve endings internally and i'm more of an energy connection person too and but i just love learning about the diversity of these experiences that we watch porn and or we have sex with people and we think that they're all that way like oh yeah she's gonna love that i just stick something inside of her pussy and it feels amazing and you're like actually no, there's so much more going on there. Just so you know, <laughs> your cock's not that. We amazing. don't know, no. but we don't know. That's the problem. Now you know. You just learned everything. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. No, <laughs> get all my education. So, what have been um, some of the standout podcasts that you have recorded? That I've been on? No, or no, been on, on ours? People on yours. Yeah, oh, like big, God. big, like mic drop moments where you're like, holy shit, I didn't think about it that way. Well, we just recorded an episode that was released this today, Tuesday. I mean, it's your listeners, it's not going to matter for Whatever. them, but for us, um, with the Emily Nagoski, who wrote the book Come As You Are, which has been revolutionary for me. It's in this book I read years ago, and 
and it speaks and I so a lot of what I teach is based on so much of what I've learned from her indirectly because she wasn't actually there teaching me but from that I read which speaks to um, that we live in a penis penis centric culture so what we think sexuality should be for female bodies is very much related to what male bodies like or think that they like from based on porn and the Victorian era and good right. old Freud and all of that stuff yeah um, and so we record this episode with her and it's just so fascinating she's kind of she's on the research side but she's also an educator and she talks about how um the ideas of even the clitoris have been like the clitoris we actually knew i think she said like 100 200 years ago was this massive structure that's a full-on wishbone you know there's these legs that go down behind the labia majora and then there's the little clip that you see coming out of the hood but there's a whole little tail that connects back from it to those legs clitoris is a big structure that covers most of behind the whole vulva um but we recently thought people thought that we just discovered this in like 2009 or 2010 but actually we knew about it 200 years ago and then good old freud said that it wasn't a thing anymore and the clitoris was like i forgot his exact words but like the um inferior orgasm or something for for women oh, right i've heard about it, that it should yeah. be about penetration sure. and that is still here today but we don't directly know that you know we're still seeing it we still live in you know in heterosexual relationships women still think they should only be able to get off from penises alone right. and men think that they should be able to give them that and if they don't they're broken just and this is right. old this is beyond the day we were born that we've been thinking this because it goes on from this bullshit yeah. Yeah. They're a speed bump on my road to glory. Yeah. Out of the way. Damn you. Yeah. 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 I mean, and Freud did some great <laughs> things, but he also fucked some things up. And so I think, and she's just such a wonderful speaker. And so I, I love when people highlight the uh the, the the conditioning and the actual knowledge and the research like because i'm kind of nerdy i like to hear the research combined with practical tools for now um that shows us like uh, we're just conditioned to think everything that we think about sex right in this exact moment is just what's happening right now and it's so dynamic it's so right. beyond this exact moment in time i love um reminding myself about those commercials in the 40s and 50s um, where they said, you know, uh, nine out of 10 doctors prefer camel cigarettes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because they're just fine for you. We just didn't know that yeah, yet. They're good for at you. the time, that's what you, you smoked on airplanes. Think right. about that. I went on my airplanes and I see the no smoking. So I'm like, well, of course. But I was like, oh, yeah, I actually did, did go on smoking airplanes when I was a kid on a German airline where you could still smoke and it was baffling yeah you're like a but it's boss. an entire society that had a false narrative running yeah and they all believed it and then things changed and imagine being the person in 1940 saying yeah cigarettes are bad for you they're gonna cause cancer and they're like Psh. yeah whatever yeah crazy or, hippie yeah hang them with the <laughs> stick them on the cross yeah um so what did you what, what were takeaways that you um got from from that book anything you know just different ways of thinking about it and and maybe even some tactical advice yeah i mean I, I use it for a lot of the work that i do with folks and the that podcast that we record with her and and the, what her book is very much about is this kind of answer of am i normal and it's that there is yes because there is no normal everyone is normal and um and that sexuality is that diverse that there isn't just one general experience that everyone should have um, and, and I, I like that she also talks about how that, cause I didn't know this before that embryologically we're all made of the same 
parts are just organized in different places. And so she says that, you know, the, the clitoris and the head of the penis are made of the exact same tissue. They're just put in different places over time. The G spot and the prostate, same tissue, the labia and actual, this, I always thought as the labia was somehow related to the, um, the foreskin, but it's actually the labia and the scrotum, the actual sac holding the balls are made of the same tissue and then of course the ovaries and the testicles same exact things they're just put in different places and i and i love that i also love that when i teach my you know oral sex 101 classes people are like oh how do i suck a cock or how do i lick a pussy and especially if they're straight folks I'm like, well what is your genitals like what are the main areas that you like being touched is going to be kind of similar to them it's just different parts and put in different places right so you're a cock owner and someone just sucks in your cock really hard on the head of your cock really hard the whole time. It's probably going to feel really overwhelming. Well, guess what? It's the same thing if you do that to a clitoris too. Uh, so we can pay attention to the experiences of other bodies and also somewhat related to us, even if our body's different. So I just like, I like no, the, that it norm, the normalizing that there is no one way. There's no standard. Like we're all perfect. It was Brene Brown perfectly imperfect just the way we are in like the diversity of our experience that's different from the next and that's exactly how it's supposed to be wow <laughs> yeah um do you know who uh ruth bader ginsburg is i don't so she was a woman fighting uh against discrimination in the workplace mm-hmm. made her case that won for a guy so this is a story of perspective. So the way that they got it passed through was it was it was the case of a guy who was taking care of his sick mother, huh. um, who it was something like time off of work or something like that. He that he wanted recouped. I, I may, may be getting this part of the story wrong, but the whole idea was that she needed the example to be a man for the courts to take it seriously ah. to take that perspective that there was discrimination in the workplace. Yeah. Interesting. So you had to appeal like, Right. To... And you're talking about like a, a gal like sucking on the head of your cock for 20 minutes straight. Like, whoa, yeah, I, I can, I can yeah. understand now what that would be like. Now you can relate I'm actually speaking to you. Now you can relate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been, reminds me of this, this one, uh, educator who's a Tantra edu- educator, not going to drop any names. Um, but he would g- get in front of a group of, of all genders and he would speak very softly and, and sweetly because he's talking to everyone and the yoni and the sacred lotus or whatever words he would use. And then they would split up the room. It was very gender centric, like or not gender, but gender. They were splitting. I just, I don't love that. I don't love when it's like the man and the woman. But anyways, I digress. They split them up. They brought the men in one room and then he just turns into this like Brooklyn guy. I was like, all right, boys, let's talk about the pussy and just go. And they're all, they, they learned some shit. Like they, you, he spoke their language and really just captivated them and pulled them in and related to them. And all of a sudden they were able to go home and touch the yonis softly and slowly. But because he spoke from this other place, I mean, just, yeah. It, and then with the women, what was he, what was he teaching He didn't see, talk to us. We were mm. separate. We were oh. in a room with another woman who was trying to show us how to... Um, pleasure a lingam is what you call it in that that realm in sanskrit which is the cock the lingam the lingam i haven't heard that yoni and lingam uh how do you pleasure the lingam you bite it real hard (laughs) (laughs) if they're uncircumcised (laughs) just rip it it off do it in the moment no lube um no she was she she had various techniques and things but i mean at the end of the day i think no matter what they're talking about for both is slowing down which we've talked about in past podcasts is like 
what I often say is go slower than slow and then slower than that was if you're, if it's going to be tantric, it's being present. It's tantra is a meditation. You know, when we're being tantric with our sex, with our sexuality, it, it means that we're fully present. And then there's also like a ritualistic or a honoring aspect. So you go to pleasure the lingam, you're going up to, to really worship and honor this being. It's not like I'm just going to give you an HJ so that you can chill out and go to bed and be happy and still love me. It's, or, or, <laughs> Or maybe there's more. I mean, it's not just to pleasure you. I'm here to really honor you because you are worthy of that. Like you are my, you know, my king, my god, my Adonis, my however you identify. Maybe whatever. Kyle smiling is like, I like these. Yeah. <laughs> I've just never heard Adonis before. Adonis. Yeah. That just is just kind of funny to me. I know some sex toys that are called the Adonis. So. Uh, I'm sure. But yeah, that's why I say every time I worship the lingam, like I. I work by praise you, my Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't do that, everyone. Oh, I man. Kid, I kid. The, the uh, wild roads this podcast has led me down. <laughs> We're like, oh, let's talk about meditation retreats. <laughs> no, it's great. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, and that but it is... speaks to everything. It, like, really, yeah. the meditation, the foundation that you, that, you, that you brought in in the beginning about meditation is so key in everything that I teach. And when I teach, obviously I'm, I struggle myself with things at times where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just realizing that my, my losing a little bit of the, the steadiness of my meditation practice has affected my sexuality. And, but more importantly, my podcasting, but my, my podcasting has been epic. Cause that's heady as all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I questioned that. I was like, wait, does podcasting make me less embodied and more heady? Hmm. Maybe, but it's worth it. Totally worth it. Do you have podcasts <laughs> that you get, uh, nervous in or like, have you, have you had like places in podcasts where all of a sudden you get that hot flash and you're like, holy shit. Mm. Like I, I had one with a guy who talked about getting uh, molested when he was a kid. Oh, I, I listened to that one. Right. Yeah. And didn't, and like, didn't plan on saying it yeah. and said it and was like, cool, it's coming out. And I remember just feeling like, like, oh boy, like yeah. all of a sudden you're strapped into a rocket ship. It's not just like you're having a, a nice little chat. That but doesn't, yeah, not, I, not into pocket. I've had that happen with other things like going on live TV to talk about Uber lube. Oh really? But you can't ask questions. I can't right. say you know, I don't really know what you're at. The question you're asking me, can you elaborate on that? You're on TV for eight minutes live. Yeah. So I get what you're talking about. I mean, about, I think that a lot of it too is probably the media, like people need to know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And when they go on your podcast, they know that they're going to talk about shameless sex stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's not like, Hey, I'm just going on CNBC and all of a sudden I'm like yeah. talking about this really vulnerable thing that I didn't expect. Yeah. It's a little different for you. For, for what the curveballs that I think, well, the, I mean, we can sort have of, but the curveballs make it fun for me. Of Honestly, course. like that's yeah. the shit that like, I like that one. I'm like, all right, here yeah. we go. Let's We're keep it fun. Like down the, the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. We can, we can stop stroking. Our I thought that now. that was badass though. When I, when, I mean, when I listened to that and I thought that you handled well, and then you also, I think opened the podcast podcast because you pre-record or not pre-record sorry you would separately you record the intro and you said if i sounded disconnected or insensitive it was like i want to apologize for that or something i was you know thrown off and um i forgot what exactly sure yeah well you can give them a little preamble yes which is nice and yeah. that's the, that's the great thing about this medium is hopefully that people can kind of um 
give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Right. Like they know you're coming from a good place. And even if you end up with your foot in your mouth, hopefully they won't take it out of context. Yeah, definitely. And we, we at shameless sex just have, we've just received some of our first after having the podcast for two years, uh, like a couple of little critiques of some negative feedback, which I think is part of what happens when you start to get, you know, 20,000 downloads per, per week is like, all right, we're going to get some, folks that don't like what we're doing and so we have heard from a couple people and this other thing with podcasts is like it's out there right once we release it yeah of course we could like edit it and re-release it or something but like for the most part we're putting something out there we're putting our you know our word behind it literally and and like you know our heart behind it and if we say something that um crosses someone's boundaries is going to you know we're we're i'm going to trigger or activate or something some people and we won't either feel the same or i will say things that might be insensitive at the moment where i could have done better and so i take it as an opportunity to to learn we had someone that recently said that it sounded like we were victim shaming in in an episode when we were talking about some uh drama is the wrong word but some um some consent issues in the tantra community and and I let her know that like that's was not our intention that that's surprising to me and she's entitled to her opinion and I'm going to go re-listen to see what I could have done better. And I mean, that's, that's a good response. Yeah. yeah, it's a good response. And also you there are two sides to every coin. Of course. So what side are you going to take? Probably the side of the minority. Mm-hmm. Right. And in today's culture, like it's. But, I, but it's, yeah, she's saying I didn't. What she's saying, I didn't. You know, she was like you were siding with the men. No, no, no. Yeah. But the minority would be talking about maybe what the victim could have done differently. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. Yes. There aren't many people talking about that. Yeah. Right. It's always just all the oh, fault. It's yeah. like can't, it's, you can't it, go you down know, that road. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, people will blame the person who cheated always. Yes. Right. Yeah. Taking the side of the minority would be like, well, what caused that person to do that? Yeah. And I think that it's or really like important. how was their actual partner? Yeah, maybe not, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important as a host to take that side sometimes. Yeah. So like, what was your point that you made about, uh, that she took as victim shaming. I mean, what we were talking about was there's some, there is some stuff in the Tantra community with a specific, uh, specific group that, uh, that teaches Tantra that I actually was, when I was speaking to the, the Brooklyn guy that pulls the men in the room, it's, I'm speaking about that group and that there's been allegations from various women that they have been victimized by some of the male teachers there, um, that there has been consent that's broken. There's been actual violations and, um, and so it's this whole thing that blew up on, on Facebook and, you know, people calling people out and writing articles about it and essentially wanting to shut them down. And, and so what I said when on our podcast is like, I, I haven't done research around this. And when I hear victims, like I, I, I believe victims and what I know to be true is just my own personal experience. And I'll talk about that. My own personal experience was that I had a, a tantric massage offered to me by someone that did work for that corporation or that company. And it totally crossed boundaries. And I consented to it in the moment and really enjoyed myself. And I'd have no trauma or issues around it. Um, but I know that if I was someone that had sexual trauma, that probably would have really fucked me up and that people in positions of power, especially when it comes to touching other people's bodies need to be really careful. So to me, I was like, that, how's that victim shaming? I was literally like talking about how 
I totally get it. But something in that sounded like it was siding with the, the, the men. And so what, you know, to each their own and their opinion, but, and, or maybe it's cause I didn't choose to go down the, down the rabbit hole of like, yeah, fuck these people. They're fucking people over and no one should go and do trainings with them or something. I was just like, you know, I, when I hear victims, I, I believe them. I don't question them. And here's what I, all I know to be true, which is my experience. What's a tantric massage? Tantric massage is like a, a yoni massage. Well, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it's a yoni massage. He totally crossed, yoni? he crossed boundaries. <laughs> it's a yoni massage. <laughs> he touched well, my pussy so just not the right way. Here's the boundaries. The boundaries were, and this is not, this is, I just didn't really know this at the time, but so he offered, he was, he was in training from them and, um, and so trusted to me and he's a very very sweet human who i still um respect to this day but i also see why it could be an issue for other folks other than me other women and um, he said hey i uh, i'm still in training i'd love to i had never even met him before but i'd like emailed with him through the, co- the company i would like to offer this to you for free so i can practice this is and i knew what it was tantric massage. like oh yeah it's like and then it's a yoni massage and it goes internally to be a sacred spot massage and you can essentially get your g-spot massage in a way where you have these like deep emotional releases it's very slow very um present like an act of honoring um i consented to it he laid down the boundaries before he said i won't kiss you but you can kiss me if you want and i was really like that's a thing here like that just that to me when it's when his hands on bodies it feels very to me very um it's erotic massage. It's yeah. Very, it's like in Pretty Woman. Like, yeah. what's the one thing you yeah, want to do? Me. I don't kiss him on the but then, kiss him To me, lips. then I was like, oh, okay. So you're saying that this can be sex work. Although I guess I'm not paying you. It was, it was like a free offering, but it was still professional. Um, and in, like two or three hours into it, the session was, by the way, only supposed to be two or three hours. It lasts about six hours and two or three hours into it. Like I'm having my sacred spot, my G spot massage super slow. And I'm like, so just like alive and turned on. Of course I wanted to kiss this person, like grab them, pulled them in. And, um, and, and they went with it and it was very, very sweet, very safe. They weren't like trying to grab at my boobs or doing anything that was not already pre-negotiated there. But what happened was, I did something that I wouldn't normally do. I actually, in normal everyday life, um, this isn't someone I normally would just try to go be attracted to, you know, and try to start an intimate relationship with. They actually developed feelings for me after. I actually thought I had feelings for them after. And then we hung out a second time and they had very strong feelings for me, brought me flowers and all these things. And, and I was like, oh, shit like that this is these this is the doors that get open when i'm in this ecstatic vulnerable place and we cross these boundaries and you're in the position of power even though i'm not paying you and i get confused this is why people hooking up on an mdma can be really confusing you seem all shiny yeah. in the moment the next day i'm like holy shit oh my god i met my soulmate at skrillex <laughs> the next day you're like Damn it's it. in the front row right by the base <laughs> like we have nothing in common and you're like shit yeah. he's unemployed <laughs> and an asshole yeah yeah or yeah it just and this guy was he's wonderful and had I had been in my sober mind and sober meaning I was not under any intoxicants other than being high on having my G spot sacredly massaged. Um, I wouldn't have made those choices. So I spoke to that of like, you're going to be in that position of power. You give it, especially with erotic massage or being any sort of healer, whether, even if it's not about right. sexuality, 
you have to be really fucking careful. Yeah. And you have to be really respectful and you have to understand transference and countertransference and be very clear with boundaries and you have to stick to them. Otherwise, it's going to be a mess. Right. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in that position of no. power. Because you're, you're taking your or potentially hurting people that are already already hurt people. Right. So. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I think that there's like there's not much that's more gross than something like a shaman sexually taking advantage oh God. of someone. Yeah, I've heard stories. It's right. So, yeah. So. It's a similar thing. Yeah, people get all enamored with the, those people in position of power, and like, you know, they see them as God. You know, they're like, "Oh, you're Jesus or God, and you changed my life, and now I think I'm in love with you." And if you go with that, oh, it can be a mess. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, that was my experience. And so, does that sound victim shaming at all? No, no, no. Okay. And no. I, and I can no, see I just think it's really it's it's interesting to talk about power dynamics yeah. in an honest way, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, I, I think that the healing aspect of it is a very important point to underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, we're in our culture right now, we're talking about power dynamics in the workplace quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a boss, you know, you you can't, you know, there are a lot of people being outed for taking advantage of, of women. And mm-hmm. I just think it's all really interesting and like... We just got to talk about it honestly and not get on a team. That I think that's a really big part of it because there are absolutely two sides to every Always. story. Yeah. Um, and I've seen both sides of it, man. I've, I've, I've seen guys that I felt like really didn't do anything wrong and had their fucking lives destroyed. Yeah. Um, because the woman took some, some oops the wrong way and then reported it to the media. Um, and I've been at bars growing up where I like saw guys that I knew taking advantage of a drunk girl and Mm -hmm. like leading them out of the bar. And like, they're like, no, I don't know if I want to do it. And like, yeah, not doing anything Mm -hmm. and being fucking, you know, 22 years old and just being like, oh, well, yeah, that'll go well. And like, it's, you know, it's similar to watching someone, you know, get in a car who's, who's a drunk driver. Like, Hey, you're going to be good. Right. Cool. Like, I just hope it will be. Yeah. I'm going to look the other way. I'm going to look the other way. Right. And that's us not being willing to meet the moment with, with honest eyes. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, not claiming that I do all the time, but I think it's important to recognize the points that we haven't and, and learn and grow and try and be better. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's the only way it's going to happen. It's not going to happen from, you know, a fucking media story helping to, to alleviate everyone's shame. I think that that can help, but it happens, uh, interpersonally, it happens, you know, with communication in a room and, mm-hmm. and tough talks going down. Um, so I commend you on, uh, providing tools for people. Well, and I think just bringing it back to that story that you said about Ruth, what's her name? Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, and that she she targeted the wrong word, but went, went through a, a man to speak to the men to make her, to win the case or make yeah. her point, right? Um, about I, discrimination. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think when we're looking at these these issues with rape and you know rape culture and um, the Me Too movement, uh, I think... For me, it's like I really, I really strongly feel that we need men to educate and inspire other men. Like you're talking about, you know, you're a 22 year old at the bar. Maybe you're not the man to do that. But now that you're, you're close to 30 now, right? Yep. Close to 30. Now, if you were to see something like that, maybe because you have more life experience, 
Um, hopefully, if you see that, you can actually speak to it right. and educate the young men. And hopefully parents can educate young men and young boys. I think that that's where, where it really starts. It isn't just like like you're saying, you know, people on media calling people out and, and their careers getting sloshed. It's it's like, let's get the men on board to teach the young boys. Right. Well, it's like that with, with anything. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, this is what, like a lot of people, uh, this is what people talk about with... Um, with Islam, like like radical uh, Islam, Islamic extremists, like it's mm-hmm. not going to be you or me that's going to change that conversation. It's going to be um, moderate Muslims mm-hmm. having those kinds of conversations, you know, mm-hmm. to to try and people try and bring bring people back more towards um, something more central. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I think that I think about that a lot as well. Um, you know, we have our different worlds. Mine's more environmental. Yours is more sexual like there's definitely not one magic bullet that is the solution but i think a a big one is talking to your people Mm. about a problem that is persistent in your community yeah and 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 keeping it small like hey if you can talk to 10 people that you have some um some persuade some you know what what room are you in right now yeah what room are you going to walk into and what's the conversation that needs to be had and and how can you yeah how can you bring that up because it's scary that's the thing is like we're not scared we're we're not afraid of what the president thinks of us right Right. like we're afraid of what what our friends are going to think of us definitely not afraid of what that guy thinks yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean past i mean past presidents when presidents were like seen as yeah yeah, they were seen as like people who had a ton of respect they had like scholars gray hair that yeah was actually still attached to their hair yeah we're not afraid of what lincoln (laughs) thinks of us yeah no i i yeah i get i get that and I, I think i know that it's scary i know that it's really scary and i understand this this whole thing with like masculine we grew up in santa cruz right so you and so i know that you're you know grew up with the east side surf community and and i've seen a lot of those communities and like there's like the bro mentality and that you know like the bros aren't you're just like bro now and like oh yeah i fucked so many chicks last night whatever that is and then i see that shift in in guys in that community i see them you go all of a sudden, like going into the softer place and not maybe, but you know, maybe they're still doing that behind closed doors, but I see that shift and, and there's just like this, this other respect there that comes for, and it isn't just for women, you know, it's just for, for everyone. And it's just it's like, for themselves. Totally. They grow, they grow up and they're not doing it on their own. They have other people that are inspiring their life experiences that push them in that direction. I, I mean, m- my friend group to see how it has diverged depending on who listened to podcasts and who didn't is fucking unbelievable Mm. like my friend shane like listens to a ton of joe rogan podcasts Mm -hmm. started mud water you know great company and like crushing it now um like my buddy Ramon, like listened to a bunch of podcasts, like needed, I think a lot of that, like those voices of like structure and discipline and, and just to see that something else is out there besides your six friends. Yeah. And now he's crushing a San Francisco firefighter. Mm-hmm. My friend Gary, like listened to a bunch of podcasts, went down to, to Peru to do ayahuasca and like opened a float tank center and is like mm-hmm. very much a psychologically healthy person and I, I think that a huge amount of that is just having those other voices mm-hmm. in your mind because all of a sudden it teaches you to be able to respond to a situation differently than you would before yeah 
Well, that's a way to hear other men speak about how to you know, live in integrity and right. you know, be in integrity with your word and to have purpose and whatever that is. It's just like, you know, if you're stuck in your little bubble and you and you live in, I don't know, Ohio in your little bubble of, you know, we got some Ohio listeners. Ohio. We love you, Ohio. And no offense to Ohio, but if you're stuck in a bubble in, in, in maybe not Ohio, you could do a bubble in California. It's, it's anywhere. And you don't feel like you have access to other teachers, podcasts, the ability, they give you the ability to do that. So it's really beneficial. I, I love, I love looking at our numbers and seeing our listeners in all the different States and all the different countries. And like, Holy shit, we have like a listeners in Nigeria. Well, what's so great about it, you, you look at those numbers, you're like, yeah, I'm getting, American. Some, I'm getting some people late. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what you're yeah. looking at. Yes. People are having sex. Right. Well, yeah. And I also, but I look more, I don't see that. I see more like I'm helping people love themselves more, you know, more, there's more like these people are just often finding more acceptance. They're, finding more peace and more love just more self-love and yeah of course people are getting laid and like getting better below jobs or whatever but <laughs> but I, that's not the first thought i have it's right. more, it, and that's not the emails that we get to we get a lot every day we get fan mail and a lot of them are saying more so you changed my life by by teaching me that i am normal or i have more acceptance for myself or more self-love yeah and that's that's so why we do what we do you're taking away the shame yeah, well, not, not you, it's funny. Yeah, when we recorded with um, with was it Standard Deviation Podcast? Is that what they're called? Sure, Sarah yeah. Lynch. Yeah, Sarah Lynch. That I was. She's like, your job is to eradicate shame, and I make money off shame. So. Right. <laughs> and we're anyway, at odds. Yeah, we're at odds. I mean, but again, this one thing I want to just say lastly about shame that my partner helped me to. Um, or pointed out and said that like yeah, I feel like this is an important part of what you should say is not you're not we're just trying to eradicate shame is that and another important part is that we look at it as how what did it teach us you know because it's here for a reason and there's lessons in it isn't just like oh get rid of it run from it it's all bad we don't want this it's that like okay here's this thing we move with it we move through it we grow and then what did we learn from it because it's always it's a teacher mm-hmm. and and an opportunity to grow so I've uh one final question for you. Yes. What was your decision to record a podcast with your partner? Uh, why we well, record together? Yeah. What was that like? My partner. It was amazing. It was awesome. We. I listened to it. Yes. It was, it was so good. He is. I mean, it's just it's a very personal thing. Just yeah. like as a a backstory, like I keep parts of my life separate separate yeah. because mm-hmm. I just don't I don't want to go there. I I think that's totally fine and. um yeah, I'm just I'm interested in your decision to do that. Well, our podcast is also different because it's shameless sex. Right. We talk all about like what everything from our personal lives. So there's that our our listeners already know so much about our partners. Um, and, and I thought I was like, that'd be so interesting for them to get a sneak peek into this person. And if they listen regularly, which we have a lot of those folks to hear his voice. Finally, he's human. This is what he sounds like. He is a phenomenal public speaker and he's also brilliant and he is different than me in that I talk really fast and I'm high energy. And with podcasting, by the way, if I were to take a long pause to think like this, 
that dead air is very awkward. Yeah. He will do that. <laughs> dead air is <laughs> yeah. your, yeah. We Silence is your enemy they, on the like, radio. Wait, did it die? Did it, did, did it tune yeah. out? So he will. You know that saying, saying silence is the enemy of radio? Is it, is, I've never heard that saying, yeah. but I believe that. And because yeah. I listened to the podcast after and I was like, dude, he did that like three times. <laughs> and so I just kind of edited it out. It's only like two seconds <laughs> that I need to edit out. But because he takes the time to make very um, thoughtful meaningful authentic responses and it was just it was awesome because he's also a man who has done a lot of work so much work like um, i just it's astounding and so it was really wonderful to share with our listeners this personal journey of who this person is that we've been talking about but we talked about our sex life how it's changed five years later what sex used to be what sex is now our relationship our communication the journey we've been through all the things that we've done you know cheated on each other and you know he fell in love with another woman broken up 2.5 yes talked about all that oh yeah i mean just like out you know outing it not like going into too much detail about it but and how he's learned to not fill his cup from attention from the outside world, which was something that would, from women or drugs or alcohol, or whatever that is, and you know, all that stuff. And um, I, th- it was wonderful to have. And I just knew he would be amazing because he's just he. Yeah, he's, no, he's great. He's speaker. Oh yeah, yeah I have a lot of respect for him. Um, do you feel at all like now that that is out there, you'll have to kind of keep the audience updated on the relationship? No, no, because we already, April and I do check it, relationship kind of check-ins often where we, we used to do it where we call it like, oh, sex life update, but we don't do that anymore. But we'll just talk about like, what's right. the latest? So uh, our listeners are already getting that. But one thing my partner and I discussed was potentially starting our own little monthly, not weekly side podcast that was somehow like, cause we're shameless sex, April and I somehow like, I don't even know somehow related to more relationship stuff where on the podcast on a monthly episode, we would discuss, actually I'm not going to give away the details, but we just discuss doing a little collaboration right. of some sort after that, because um, it just felt really good. <laughs> and we got a lot of positive feedback. From I'm people. sure you did. I'm sure that those episodes get a lot of, a uh, lot of views. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, well, I, th- here's, here's the, my take on the two sides of that coin is yeah. one, you're such a skilled communicator. I think you would be modeling mm-hmm. really healthy communication and how that would, how that can happen for, um, within a partnership. The other side of that is that you better keep it really fucking real. Yeah. Cause the second you don't, the second you deviate from that at all, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden your whole thing comes crashing down yeah. because people start to smell it and they're like, yeah. no, you're, no, you're creating bullshit. this, yeah. this kind of facade that's really easy to happen. It's, it's easy to let that happen when you put relationships out in the public. Yeah. Um, but I think that you have the, uh, the, the verbal fluidity, the skill and the self knowing to pull that off. And you're one of the few people who I would say that about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. My, I, I appreciate that, uh, that reflection and that, reminder of the importance of the authenticity and the pressure that it puts on to show up in that way and um yeah it's an idea they're playing and it also is just a, a fun collaboration because that's the thing about partnership is like creating with your partner in some yeah. way some people choose to create a baby and uh, you know a home and a family uh, i want to create projects and i want to you know teach together or go and you know heal the world together and i love podcasting so 
I mean, that would be an interesting avenue. But what, what would it be like if we actually broke up? And we're like, well, podcast over. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's just, you know, we're that not, kind of shit. And is, the show is, is over. Not now. out of the cards, but that would be a fucking good episode. I the, just the yeah, breakup break episode. Up. episode. We're, so we're like, so um, this isn't working. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You just got real. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. One of us gets on there and we just lose our shit and we're like, fuck that motherfucker. Yeah. He did this, this, well, Dina, this. So, what would be great is if you just do it live. Yeah. Like, there's just nothing. There's no editing. There's no yeah. editing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be hard to, to set that up logistically, but yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about live podcasts mm-hmm. is that it's just like, here we are. Yeah. Like, you said that. Yeah. Like, actually, Chris Ryan, the first time he went on Joe Rogan's episode, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, like, he was talking, then he, like, he said this thing about this guy who read Sex at Dawn, and the, and the wife of the guy was like, oh, like, like, we I don't want I don't let him read that kind of book right like that and and Joe was like who are you talking about and he's like oh, I don't want to say he's like dude just say it and he like says the guy's name and Joe's oh, like shit. oh I'm friends with that guy oh, and God. and Chris was like uh c- can we just edit that out and he's like ah oh, we're live <laughs> he's just like, Fuck. damn it Chris was like I was just like sh- shitting myself oh no <laughs> he's like I was fully aware it was the largest audience I've ever spoken to on live I was yeah. not aware it was live oh no. So, but I think you should do that. Okay, Keep it real. <laughs> Keep it real. Yeah, I just hope that, uh, yeah, I mean, if it breaks up, then the show dies. It's cool. Um, such a blast. Always. Yeah. Let's, let's end it on this note. But um, mm-hmm. people, we've talked about your podcast enough. People can check it out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all, it. All good things. Yeah. Come find us at Shameless Sex. That's a little bit. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you. You're one of my, my many, many teachers. You're younger than me, but you're a wonderful teacher. Vice versa, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to play you out the song called Slow It Down by Nate Maingard. Nate is one of the listeners of this podcast and is a musician, obviously. If you're a musician and you want some tunes played at the end of the show, email it to info at kyle.surf. That's also where you can uh, send guest recommendations. That's where you can send voice memos. That's where you can send hate mail. Info at kyle.surf. Um, and once again, thank you so much to Mudwater and Santa Cruz Medicinals for supporting this show. I genuinely love and use both of their products um, on a daily basis. And I want to give you all a discount on it. So if you want to go to Santa Cruz Medicinals, scmedicinals.com, you can use the code word Kyle10 to get 10% off anything. Um, you can also go to kyle.surf and get your box of goodies with the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. There may be a few left, so kyle.surf slash box of goodies. Hope you enjoy the song by Nate Maingard called Slow It Down, and I will see all of you very, very soon. Thanks for dropping by. Slow
Slow. 